0: This is another interview brought to you by the Batman
1: uh, this is Shepton Hill, game director on Batman Arkham Asylum.
0: Hi, this is Lieber Mayo. I'm Brandon Vietti, director of Under the Red Hood. Hi, this is Gail Simone. Hi, this is James Tucker. Hi, I'm Deanne Jurgens. Hi, this is Bruce Tim. This is Michael Jelinek from The Brave and the Bold. Hi, this is Andrea Romano. Hi, my name's
2: Dan DeDeal.
1: Hi, my name's Claiborne Moore with the C.S. Moore Studio.
0: Hi, this is Jim Lee. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, it's Sean DiMaggio. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. specials today we have with us the artist who worked on Azrael, Death's Dark Knight and it is Fraser. Irving welcome Fraser. hello and we have Apple as always so let's get into the first question first Fraser, how exactly did you get involved with Azrael?
1: Um. well I got an email from the editor Mike Martz uh, in December last year just asking me if I was available to do some work and I was like yeah sure Um. And then a couple of weeks later, he told me what it was. Um, now, I didn't know anything about the character, really. I mean, I was aware of it by reputation, but I didn't really have any kind of like personal experience of reading it. Um, and so, but that, Mike didn't seem to think that was a problem. In fact, I think he said it was a good thing because I'd bring something fresh in his eyes. Um, and that was pretty much it. I do think that Fabian had suggested me for some reason. Maybe he liked my work or, again, he maybe thought that I would bring something different to this character, but um, it was pretty much out of the blue, I must say. Um, it wasn't like I was bugging them for work or anything. Just, these things kind of happen this way for me. I just, I'm just sit down, minding my own business, and then someone throws either Iron Man or the X-Men or Batman or Azrael at me. And uh, that was it, basically.
2: Cool. Well, speaking of Fabian, did you, did you work with him directly?
1: Um, I got... Like, it's kind of weird. He'd written the scripts with me in mind, uh, well, from what I could tell, because a lot of the stage directions had been addressed directly to me, and he was certainly aware that I was um, unfamiliar with the character. Um, the only direct contact I had with him would have been a couple of emails very early on when I sent a few pages to the guys, and he gave some you know, very, very kind of like brief feedback on them. But apart from that, no, I, I'm, I was pretty much left to my own devices. I mean, um, generally speaking, if I'm working with a writer who's got like lots of projects on the go, we only use like share a few communications at the beginning. And then from then on, it's just me and the editor and the clock. And that's about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> what
0: was your overall feeling of the story based on the scripts when you first got them?
1: I thought it was pretty good. It was interesting. I mean, like I said, I didn't know anything about the character. This John Paul Valley guy I'd never heard of before. Um, and so therefore, I was approaching it just as a self-contained story in the back world about this one I saw, was to be this rather disturbed young man who was uh, being coerced and manipulated into a situation where he was going to be used as a pawn by various different kind of secret groups and individuals. Um, and that appealed to me because I'm somewhat cynical of mainstream superhero comics, because I, as i 've grown up, a lot of the comics haven't really grown up with me, and uh, they're still dealing with themes and scenarios which I would have loved when I was twelve or fourteen. but now uh, as in in the uh, beginning of the summer of my life, um I kind of like need something a little bit more, and this script did deliver that because the the character was. He wasn't an anti-hero per se, not like Wolverine, who is, you know, a, a very archetypal antihero who's very violent and is the best at what he does. Yet somehow seems to be doing the right thing. Um, this new Azrael did seem, especially if like you read issue three, does seem to have a dark side to him, which is almost the equal of like the good side. Like he's like a guy looking for redemption, um, yet he isn't doing it in a puritanical way. He's not Solomon Kane, for instance, you know. Um, and I thought that was uh, far more in keeping with, like, the way I view the world around me. There is no such thing as good and evil. There's just shades of grey. Uh, and I thought the main character, Michael Lane, was definitely a very grey character, slightly dark grey, maybe. But um, that kind of moral ambiguity was very appealing. Um, and also, I liked the fact that there was very little involvement from the rest of the bat world, apart from the occasional appearance of Nightwing and some of the other supporting characters, most of this was all about Michael Lane himself and the other weird individuals that relate directly to him.
2: What a lot of fans might not know is that you actually did two issues of Robin in 2006. Yeah. What do you find most fun about drawing the legendary characters from the Batman universe?
1: Um, there's, a, there's a huge problem with drawing legendary characters with me because it's like, um, it's, like a, it's like a song for instance. The first time the Beatles would have sung uh, She Loves You, it was their version, There was the definitive version back then. Then 30 years later, if a hundred different bands have done different cover versions of this song, there's only so many different ways you can sing it before you, get, you start repeating what other people have done or you start going too far away from what the original song is about. Um, I feel the same way with, like, legendary characters like Batman or Superman or the X-Men because so many people have put quite extreme spins on these characters. It's difficult to kind of, especially if you're only doing, like, one or two issues, it's difficult to really invest and reinvent and imbue them something different um, without kind of, like, treading on old territory or, in some cases, going too far away from the original character. Like, for instance, I, I was a huge fan of the X-Men back in the day and one of the things I liked about Wolverine was that he was like five foot tall Um, and then when I came back to comics like in the beginning of of this century um, I noticed a lot of artists were drawing him like seven foot tall and I thought okay if ever I have to draw any of these characters I have to be very wary of what they're about so when I did Robin for those two issues with Clarion Clarion was the star Robin for me was, was he was like a a supporting role, even though it was his comic book. Um, and I I based my designs on that and my, the way I interpreted his character um, pretty much from what everyone else thought I think it was Freddie Williams III was doing uh, at the time. Um, so I didn't want to kind of take it too far away from what he was doing which to alienate readers. Um, and the same with Nightwing. I looked at the current comics that um, have that been sent, the, uh, the Battle for the Cow books, the... Um, the resurrection story, and I I tried to basically stay as close as I could to that without doing anything radical with it. If I was to draw uh, a longer story, a far more evolving story with one of these legendary characters where I was allowed or even encouraged to do something new with it, then it would be more interesting because then I mean, I was really, really taken by Frank Miller's Dark Knight when he did that way back when because that was so different to what I'd seen Batman as before. Um, it will be nice to have that opportunity, but like I said, five pages in a three-issue series, there's not really that much opportunity to kind of go crazy. So uh, I'm very wary of attacking those characters. because If I can't make them my own, then it kind of feels awkward, do you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: exactly. Now, you mentioned being an X-Men fan when you were growing up. No, were you a Batman fan while you were growing up
1: as well? I certainly read a lot of Batman. Um, I used to get the black and white reprints over here. Um, and so therefore, I was exposed to stuff which was often about 10 years old. So when I was reading Batman, it was all the Neil Adams stuff, which I really liked. Um, it had a certain drama and a, a dynamic to it, which a lot of the pre-Neil Adams stuff didn't. And I wasn't, I wasn't so fond of the, the 60s Batman or pre-60s Batman. But uh, everything in the 70s, it was interesting, it was dark. It was, I liked it more when he was with the Justice League because I liked the dynamic of the way he would interact with Superman, the way he would become the detective as opposed to this superhero Batman, which he was, was in his own book, I thought. Um, but beyond that, when it, once I read The Dark Knight, I have to say, reading any Batman comics after that, they just didn't seem the same. It was like Frank Miller had like come along given me this atom bomb of a story and everything after that would be like a firecracker, you know? It's just, it just it didn't yeah. compare. Um, so I, since then, because I mean, I've gone out of comics as well, like the late 80s, um, when I went through that adult phase um, of growing up and everything and getting into girls and college and stuff like that, uh, which is always a horrible cliche, but it certainly happened to me. <laughs> um, and yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and I got back into them when I was at college, but I got back into them from a completely different angle. I got into independent comics, well, kind of quasi-independent comics. It was the Dark Horse route via John Byrne and Frank Miller and stuff. Um, but when I did get back in, um, I was so disconnected from Batman because so many things had happened. I mean, he'd had his back broken apparently. And this other guy called Azrael had taken over, you know. This this all confused me, so I just stayed well away. Um, but yeah, th- there was there was a golden period, I think, late 70s, early 80s, when I did read enough of the character to kind of get what for me was the essence. You know, he was a detective who knew a bit of judo, and he was very little more than that to me. But I thought I liked the simplicity, especially when you compared him to Superman, who was like an alien who could move planets, and Wonder Woman, who was this strange... I, I, can't, I can't think of the word to describe her. She was just weird. Every time someone wrote or drew her, they would come up with a new angle. One minute, she's like a sexy, super strong heroine. The next minute, she's just some kind of political feminist figure. It's like, And uh, that, I suppose, is like what made Batman good for me, having him in contrast with the other characters of the JLA, pretty much.
2: Right. Well, currently, of course, Batman doing big at the box office. Did you enjoy any of the recent Batman films?
1: I liked the first one. The Batman Begins, I thought, was a superb movie. I thought that really did, for me, it really, it got away from the this damn pal of, like, you know, the 60s TV show and the Michael Keaton movies. Well, I say Michael Keaton. The Michael Keaton and Val Kilmer and George Clooney movies, yeah. I thought they, they kind of, missed the point totally it was like it's, it's almost as if I can imagine in the, uh, in the boardroom of whoever was producing those movies would use the term comic book as a very derogatory term and say that these stories cannot be taken seriously when Batman Begins came out I thought thank god someone has actually had the stones to kind of actually deal with some of the more plausible aspects of this character you know my favourite scenes in it were the very early ones when uh, Christian Bale was as Bruce Wayne, finding himself. And I thought that's what grounds the character. It's not the costume, it's not the utility belt, or the fact that he you know, runs around at night in a cape. It's the fact that this one man was completely driven and almost obsessed um, with getting some kind of revenge upon people who he'd never met, you know? It's like a, a madness in some respects. And I thought that the way they dealt, dealt with that visually, it, it was a very... A very solid movie, and also the pacing of it was beautiful. The, the resolution, the fact that my favourite scene, and uh, second favourite scene, and uh, the whole thing comes right at the very end when uh, Wayne Manor has burned down, and uh, even though his relationship with his girlfriend, whose name I forget, who was replaced by a different actress, I believe, um, in the second movie, uh, right at the very end, the whole house has burned down and their relationship has been destroyed, but they still walk away hand in hand because obviously they've known each other for so long you can't just turn your back on that kind of thing. And I thought that was a very human reaction to the situation, which is rare in a lot of superhero movies where the characters behave almost like vaudeville actors. You know, If there's love, it's fiery passion. If there's hate, it's kind of deep burning hate. And if two people fall out, then they never speak to each other ever again. And... Batman begins dealt with all those issues on a far more plausible way. I thought. Having said that, I, the second one I thought was a bit. Um, even though everyone raved about the Dark Knight, I was uh, a little less impressed. I thought there was a bit, bit more. Wham, bam, thank you, man. There's a bit too many, few too many explosions, too many set pieces where people would come up with cool lines and then punch each other. It was beginning to regress back to what I thought was destroying the whole superhero genre, which was, uh, as far as I could see, slowly becoming a little more than the computer game, where the the main themes of violence, violence, and people kicking each other violently. Um, there's some good bits about it, but when you compare that, when I compare it to Batman Begins, I thought it was the inferior movie, and just a shame that. He said he died because I thought he really would have taken a Joker somewhere really cool if he'd given the chance with a couple of more movies. But, you know, c'est la vie.
2: <laughs> your art style reminds me of a, the little bit earlier when Jim Lee was drawing Deathblow. Like, what type of style do you prefer to use when you're drawing your comic books?
1: That always depends on the story. Um, and this is something that has caused a lot of editors a lot of problems, I know, over the past. Um, in fact, even as recently as this year, a certain editor from a major publisher asked me to submit some sample pages based on one of their scripts so they could see what style I was using currently. And it was very hard for me to explain to them that if you give me a Mary Jane story, then, which is a romance but with, you know, a 60s kind of hipster culture thrown in there, that artwork is going to look different than if you give me um, a Batman story where it's set in a mental home, you know? It's always very dependent on the story. If the story has dramatic vibes to it, if it's got some substance, then the artwork will have some more substance. Like um, the scenes which I thought in Azrael, which I thought worked best, were the ones where the main character was clearly either excited or in a you know in a very kind of he was excited out of his dormant state, because he's brooding all the time. And then when he's kind of sparked into action or sparked into lust, those scenes were kind of more visceral to me. So therefore, the artwork hopefully reflected that. Um, and I think the it's like I, got, I did get a lot of comments on the Clarion book that I did all those years ago. And people were thinking, no, that's, that's how I would draw everything. But that's only how I would draw Clarion stories. Like I would never use that style for anything else. And if someone was to do like some kind of Mickey Mouse story uh, set like uh, in Limbo Town or something, it had a very dark Disney feel to it. But um, that's why I think some people were surprised when they saw the Azrael artwork. Um, Even though I'd used that style before on a couple of projects, they weren't mainstream. So I think a lot of people were expecting the clean line work and the cartoony style of Clarion. And were quite surprised when they saw the... uh, Darker, moodier. I don't know. More um, more surreal aspects of uh, Azrael. I think that's that's going on some of the comments I read online, of course. And I know they don't right, represent that, the whole readership.
2: That's what I liked about what you did. You used uh, Azrael in a in the in the dark shadows, much like how Batman is used. I think that's where the character needed to go. And you, yeah. I think you did an excellent job with that.
1: Oh, thank you. Yes. That, yeah, specifically
2: because it was. It's it's not.
0: Like you said earlier, it's not part of the main story. It's like Asriel is its little part of the Batman universe, and without, you know, w- just with the occasional appearances from the supporting cast, like Nightwing, and Number Three, and Oracle, showing up, it's it's its own thing, and it works because even the way the script was written, it it's a darker tone, and
1: it needs to be like that. Well, this is my thinking exactly. Um, uh... I have read some reviews online. Uh, cause I, I read good and bad. Uh, they all go in the same level and they all go in the same bookmark folder, yeah? just for future reference. And uh, some people had commented how exactly what you would said, uh, they they had the same sentiment. Yet yeah, there were a few cases where they had basically yearned for the good old days of the 90s where everything was shiny and the, the colours are bright. And I, I, I thought that these people had missed the point of the story. It wasn't a superhero story per se. It was a dark, somewhat disturbing uh, side to this whole Battle of the Cow story, which, uh, having read issues up to that point, I thought the whole storyline was quite dark anyway. Um, And when I got Azrael and I read the scripts, I knew that, well, I suspected that they'd chosen me because they wanted it to be dark and they wanted it to be weird. Um, You know, variety is the spice of life. Um, Of course, the problem with this means that... uh, (laughs) Uh, the next jobs I get, or the next jobs I might be up for, is a strong possibility I might just get pigeonholed into, you know, uh, the dark, mysterious stories. Whereas deep down inside, you know, there's a burning, bright, happy story just aching to come out. You know, I can, <laughs> I I still have I have images in my head of what I would do with Superman, not uh, in a illustrative manner, um, and it, in my head it looks completely different. To the to the the Azrael stuff. I mean, I've always wanted to have a go at Green Lantern because the whole idea of the character based around color and light. I mean, that's my thing, you know. I, I don't draw with lines or kind of like shapes, it's all shadows, it's all about the light for me. Um, and I do have a feeling of a slight fear that uh, thanks to Azrael, I'm gonna get pigeonholed again, but then again, this is it's been that way for eight well, actually, nine years now, so uh it's more of the same, I guess. (laughs) Alright, so,
0: going over your style of artwork, like we said, we liked what you did with Azrael, and as we found out in Azrael number three, there's, it's set to come into a normal series in this fall. Mm -hmm. Now, would you ever want to bring your style of artwork back to the Batman universe, whether it be with
1: Azrael or whether it be with some other character? Uh, Okay, well, the, the, the professional in me, of course, says yes, because the um, DC is a good company to work for. Um, the editors I worked with on the series were quite good. They were very understanding. Uh, if they ever hear this, they'll know what I mean by that. Um, and I, I didn't miss a single deadline. It got nervous at certain points, but I didn't miss. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, the, professionally, I would like to, because, you know, it's, it's better than kind of like, doing bits here, bits there. I mean, I've worked for pretty much every publisher there is at the moment um, doing either a cover or some interiors or whatever. And there's a nomadic aspect to that, which is kind of nice, but it would be nice to spend a little longer in one town, you know. Um, But then the the artist in me would think I would only want to do it if the stories were good. I I don't know. I have no idea what the ongoing Azra series would be written like. I don't know what they would do with the character. I'm not privy to that information. I can only assume that they wouldn't be doing it unless there was a strong idea behind it. Um, What, given the state of, like, the industry now, taking risks on these things on a whim would seem foolish. So I'm thinking they have some good ideas behind it. Um, And also I read online that uh, apparently Grant Morrison had... um, put my name forward for one of these Batman and Robin arcs, um, which I haven't heard about until I read it online. <laughs> Great, isn't it? Um, and uh, you hear from online first? <laughs> yeah, man, this just happens a hell of a lot. I heard of one writer who got fired from a Wildstorm book, which he read about on the line in the gutters first, and then he, uh, he discovered two weeks later from his editor. Um, yeah, the internet has changed the dynamic of the industry somewhat. But yeah, this is... Um, it, it'd be interesting to have a go with these stories. I mean, I like Grant. I like Grant's stories. They're sufficiently weird for me. And I wouldn't say no to having a go at it. I'd be very wary, though. I mean, I'm always going to be nervous when someone puts something like that in front of me, because I know the implication is you've got to do a good job on this. A of writing on it. And I'm like, can't you just choose me to do the art because you like the art style? Um, I don't know, it's, it's weird, it's, it's, I, I know that um, what's his name? Um, Frank Quietly is doing the first arc of this Batman Robin series and then some other guy, whose name i completely forgotten, is doing the second. Now, I don't know what the story's about, I don't know what the artwork will look like, but all I know is if I did do something like that, I would have to bring to it the same kind of artistic or illustrative integrity that I brought to Azrael and try and make it look as different from the other two as possible. Um, because otherwise there'd be no point. You might as well just get someone else to do it who'd do a better job. Um, and as well, well, they haven't asked me yet, so I don't know. If the book's coming out in the fall, then I'm assuming they're getting all their their, their bits into play now, so I'm assuming that someone else is going to be starting that. But if they asked me to do uh, a part of it, I wouldn't say no. Hey, listen, I had to draw the chainmail. <laughs> <laughs> right, so...
0: You mentioned earlier that when you were growing up, you liked Neil Adams. Did you have a favorite Batman artist that maybe didn't necessarily um, just do Batman?
1: My favorite Batman artist would have been Neil Adams, Frank Miller, and Brian Bolland. Even though Brian didn't do that much Batman, he did like I don't know, hardly any pages of Batman except for covers. But um, I think he did actually, I think he did like two pages in a Justice League of America annual way back in the early 80s. I think it was his first American work as well. And his version of Batman there really nailed it to me. It's just a real shame he never... Oh, of course he did The Killing Joke. What am I saying?
2: The Killing Joke, the
1: kid... yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, knew, I knew there was something else he'd done. Um, but yeah, The Killing Joke was... Yeah, that that kind of nailed it for me for as Batman artists go. I mean, I like Brian's work anyway. Um, but I thought his take on Batman was really good. And I know that he's a huge Batman fan. And uh, I... I kind of did a lot of work on a character called Judge Death a couple of years back for 2000 AD in England. And um, Brian did tell me that he based Judge Death upon the Joker because he really wanted to draw Batman and the Joker. And his way of doing that before America approached him was to make Judge Death look like the Joker, which I thought was quite a nice touch because then when he did do the killing joke, he got to draw these two characters which he had allegedly been yearning to do for years. Um, But yeah, apart from those... Three, I don't know, I can't really think of any. I mean, you get a lot of comic artists who have a generic style, and therefore, when they do these iconic characters, they kind of don't really have any real essence of their own. It's just another guy in a costume. This one's got pointy ears, so. though. Um, yeah. I thought those... I mean, you could say that about Neil Adams' stuff in many respects, because when he did the Green Lantern, often he'd be standing in the same poses a Batman would be. But this is the reason I like Neil Adams' work on Batman was the way he would... His storytelling was so different. It brought a dynamic to it. Um, but Brian and Frank definitely were the, the 2 I thought sort of kind of really made Batman their own. They really got into his costume. Um, I've seen some illustrations done by... Um, who's the guy who did the Max? Sam oh, Keyes. Sam Keith. Yeah, I've seen some illustrations Sam Keith has done with Batman. And I see that and I think, well, okay... And they're also Bill Finger, some of his illustrations. I think if I could find a Batman comic book of his, I know he's done some, but if, they've never really moved me because the stories weren't particularly good, in my opinion. Um, but if they got, you know, a really good writer behind them, and were allowed to kind of really explore, uh, I'd totally I'd buy that in a second because I'd be interesting to, interested to see how they would try and claim Batman for themselves, which I think. Again, it goes back to the earlier question about drawing iconic characters. It's like, I think the best way to get the most out of a character is to allow a creative team to really stretch it and push it as far as they can go, or as far as they're allowed to go legally, um, instead of like you know, just playing it safe and emulating what went before them. Which I have to say, I do see that an awful lot, and I've seen that ever since the 80s, you know ever since kind of comics kind of came back from that particular slump. Um there's been a lot of, uh, you know, let's cash in on what went before kind of thing.
2: If you can, what are some of your upcoming projects for Fancy here?
1: Um, the next thing which is coming out, which I'm working on right now, well, not right now, but I will be working on one with Hangouts, Um <laughs> <which> is, <yeah. laughs> I, I don't stop working, man. I don't get weekends or bank holidays. Um, Although well, I do get to lie in sometimes. Um, uh, yeah, I'm working on this Time Storm X Men issue. It's just a one issue thing from this, because Marvel are doing this whole Time Storm series. I think they did a Spider Man one recently. Um, and I'm doing the X Men chapter. Uh, I'm also doing two issues of this series from Archaea, uh, written by Phil Hester. It's called Days Missing. I'm doing the first and last issue, Um, and I'm also, in the spare time that I get, which is kind of infrequent at the moment, uh, I'm working on finishing Gutsville, which has yet to reach legendary status of uh, the killing joke in terms of delays, but, you know, we're working on it. It's been over a year (laughs) since the last issue. You know, if I get to two, I'll be really quite upset with myself, but, uh, yeah, apart from Apart from those other two paying gigs, Gutsville is the only other thing I'm working on right now. Um, but um, hopefully, hopefully, I can get some other stuff lined up at San Diego because I'm going to be doing the San Diego Comic Con in July. Because uh, that's, yeah, you know, that that's like the big pilgrimage every year. You know, we all have to kind of like trek across America and have the sacks on our backs, suffering the <laughs> burning sun, marching through the dust until we get to Comic Con, and then we just like, get extraordinarily drunk for four days. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's, I think that, that's the kind of place where I think I'm going to be uh, finding out exactly what I'm going to be lending my brush to or my, or my Wacom pen to for the next year. Um, I hope, anyway, because living in this kind of freelance life, um, I'm sure a lot of readers aren't fully aware of what it's like. Some artists get contracts and they just treat it like a job. Others, uh, myself kind of included, uh, Generally, you have to be like hunter-gatherers. We kind of have to kind of constantly be chasing the next opportunity, regardless of how successful one project might be. Um, which is why I, I, I mentioned that kind of it will be nice to work with one company for at least six months. Just six months would be one six-month stretch. So I've done that before with uh, Clarion and Iron Man for Marvel. Oh, and also Silent War for Marvel. I probably shouldn't be mentioning rival companies here, should I? But so, yeah, whatever.
0: That's all right. <laughs> that's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. But no, upcoming projects, yeah, i just reiterate, Time Storm X-Men, Days Missing by Arkea, and Gutsville, which will be returning this year, and we'll be concluding, and it will be awesome. Everyone will forgive us for the delay, which is entirely my fault. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's it for now. And i well, I'm probably playing a couple of gigs in London as well. But I, seen I have a life outside of comics as well. Actually.
0: All right, so you mentioned that you're going to San Diego Comic-Con, so that's where fans will be able to catch you at. Mm-hmm. Now, we want to thank you very much for coming on and answering all our questions and some of the questions that listeners wanted to uh, hear you answer. And we wish you all the luck, and we hope to see your art sometime very soon in the Batman
1: universe. Cool, me too. Tune in tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel.